Welcome to the Healthy AF Podcast. I am Corey alongside Dave here in episode two of our podcast. Hey everybody, we're going to be talking about probably one of the most fundamental principles of our training and that is movement patterns. Uh, if Corey's anything like me, if I had 29 cents every time I talk about movement patterns, I would be a very wealthy man. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about movement patterns, specifically what we're referring to is movement patterns that you perform in a training plan within the context of the weight room. So one of the things with the movement patterns too is what we're going to be talking about. These are things that are going to lend themselves to being very visual. So you can be looking for us to even have some Instagram posts talking specifically about each of these movement patterns. Um, but that being said, as Corey mentioned, this is within the training plan as a whole. You might not necessarily see each one of these patterns every single session, but what you should see is each of these patterns every week. Yeah, I think those are good things to point out because um, some sessions, some training sessions will focus more on lower body, some will focus more on upper body, some will be total body. But I reiterate that these are really movement patterns that are performed more so in the context of strength movements. Like a lot of times when we talk about movement patterns, people say like, well, what about running? What about jumping? Those aren't necessarily the movement patterns we're referring to. We're more so referring to movement patterns that um, you would apply to different weightlifting exercises. Yeah, and what we found too is when you write a program incorporating each of these movement patterns, you end up creating a really good foundation for some of those performance patterns such as running and jumping. Um, and so this creates a well-balanced program for anybody regardless of your goals. Yeah, so looking at the first of these movement patterns, let's dive into the squatting pattern, or some people would refer to it as knee-dominant movement patterns. Absolutely. What I tell a lot of people with this is when I'm teaching this, everybody squats every day. Um, there's a reason why they call uh, the bathroom, sometimes the squatter, you know, because you basically squat every day you go to the bathroom. Uh, so this is a movement pattern. All of these are movement patterns you're going to see in everyday life in some shape or form. Granted, uh, you don't really see many people walking around with barbells on their backs, busting out random squats from time to time. This doesn't mean that this is not an important movement pattern by any means. Yeah, barring some serious injury or some other limitation, everyone should universally be including some type of squatting pattern into their program. Um, again, not necessarily every week per se, but it should be um, a pattern that's definitely considered because it has major benefits for pretty much every lower body muscle, your core, and different variations actually have a lot of application to the upper body as well. And going with that too is like, like Corey mentioned, this is a knee dominant pattern. And I think one of the biggest misconceptions people make with the squats is not letting their knees go in front of their toes. Um, this is not actually a bad thing if the person has the capacity for it. And so, I mean, there is some aspects of it depends with each of these movement patterns. Um, but people that have the ankle mobility to perform this with their knees going past their toes are actually going to reap a lot of benefit from allowing this to happen. So Dave, are you saying that it's actually okay to let your knees go over your toes in a squat? I mean, I might break the internet with this, but it is okay <laughs> for the knees to go over your toes when you squat. It's not the end of the world, 
But what I want to watch for is, are you keeping your whole foot in contact with the ground? Um, what happens a lot of times is people, when they squat, their heels start coming off the ground or their toes start rocking or they start sitting too far back and their toes start coming off the ground. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And I can't tell you how many clients I've had come to me saying, I really shouldn't squat with my knees over my toes, right? And the truth is when you start to pay attention, like you said, Dave, to the foot, you know, if the foot is in full contact with the ground, as long as people aren't doing a squat where maybe they're unbalanced or way overcompensating on the front of their foot as opposed to their heel, then it's perfectly normal for the knees to track over the toes. Definitely. Um, and so the squat is definitely an easy one you can add just by holding a weight at your chest level in front of you and just doing a goblet squat. Um, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean, again, that barbell has to be the implement that you use. There's lots of ways to squat. We squat every day. And it's such an important movement pattern, even as we get older, to have that ability to be able to sit down and stand back up. So just a couple quick examples. I think from a starting level, even just practicing a couple body weight squats every day, uh, putting your hands out in front of you, getting your feet shoulder width apart, and just trying to sit down and into a, a deep squat is a great start. You know, And from there, progressing into, Dave mentioned a goblet squat, which is basically holding a weight in front of you at chest level. Uh, all the way into different progressions with barbells on your back or uh, holding barbells in a front rack position. There's a ton of different ways you, you can squat, but at the end of the day, this is one of the key movements that you need to incorporate into your program to give it a, a um, lower body emphasis. So speaking of the lower body, the next movement pattern we want to talk about is the hinge pattern. And honestly, this is probably my favorite pattern. Um, egotistically speaking, I'm a distal AF, meaning I got long arms and long legs. So when I'm training, moving a lot of weight in the squat or in a bench press is not easy for me because I have a long range of motion to go to. That being said, I can deadlift all day and I love deadlifting all day. And like I said, it's a complete ego thing. Uh, I 100% I recognize it, but I love the hinge um, for that purpose for me personally. Um, but it's also just a really important movement pattern. Uh, growing up, when I help people move uh, furniture and everything, I remember people used to, I get so confused when people would say, lift with your legs, not with your back. And that would just, I, I just didn't even know what to make of that. It was just a conundrum to me. Um, but as I've learned how to hinge, I've learned what that means. A lot of times when people try to pick up weight, they're going to oftentimes use their back instead of their hips. And so another thing, the way to think of this is a hip dominant pattern. So we're going to try to teach people how to posteriorly or move their weight backwards so that they can start to feel their hamstrings and glutes to a greater degree, allowing them a safer position to start picking up weight. Yeah, and we see a lot of confusion between the squat and the hinge, which are two primary lower body movement patterns. And the way I like to differentiate the hinge pattern or the hip dominant pattern from the squat or the knee dominant pattern is in the squatting pattern, you're moving a lot at your knee and your hip. Whereas in the, in the hip dominant or the hinge pattern, you're moving much more at the hip and the knee is relatively stationary. So thinking exercises like um, an RDL or a deadlift where your hips are actually much higher, you're not necessarily looking to drop your butt to the ground. This is also one of those exercises I recognize, you know, 
with with hinge patterns, sometimes when people see like heavy deadlifts, they have a fear of injuring their low back. And I mean, with in, with any exercise, especially lower body exercises, there is to some extent that risk. Um, but when people learn how to load their hips properly and when they learn how to hinge properly, it goes a long way in not just protecting the low back, but also even making it stronger. Yeah, and I love your point, Dave, about it's important to know your body or have someone assess your body. If you have longer limbs, what type of exercises are going to be safer for you versus someone who maybe has shorter limbs? And it's not that you should avoid one exercise or another, but it just gives you more information on maybe I should be doing a little bit more hinge work. Maybe I should be doing a little more squat work. Definitely. I mean, the other aspect of it too, of course, is your body's ability to move, your mobility, your stability. Um, And one thing too that we need to mention that we've kind of touched upon a little bit is even though we're talking about movement patterns, it's important to recognize what muscles should be working in these movement patterns. For instance, when you do a knee dominant pattern, you need to feel the front of your legs. You need to feel those quadriceps and the glutes working. Um, And when you're doing a hinge pattern, you need to be able to feel your hamstrings. You need to be able to feel your glutes working. Uh, There's a quote I like to say that our brain is kind of like a bad country song. It would rather feel pain than nothing at all. So many times, if we're feeling the muscles that are supposed to be working, we're going to go a long way in helping to reduce that risk of injury from the movement. The next pattern we want to talk about is the single leg strengthening pattern or the lunge pattern. These are exercises, as the name indicates, that are done with one leg as the focus and obviously that would differentiate from a hinge or a squat pattern where those exercises in the exercise and physiology world are known as bilateral exercises they're done primarily on two legs single leg movements have an emphasis on one leg and are great for developing strength but also balance from right to left yeah and one of the things i find with single leg exercises is For lack of a better term, they just make you way more sore than bilateral exercises. Um, And so as a result, you can't lift as much weight and you're severely limited by balance. Um, And so I see a lot of people sometimes try to brush these over. They try to neglect these in their program. I know I'm guilty of this as well because if you've ever done anything higher than like 10 reps on each leg for any type of single leg exercise, it really does make you reevaluate your life choices and just uh, where you belong in life. So that being said, as Corey pointed out, not only do they help build up that symmetry from leg to leg, but then also they help reduce tightness in the hips. Um, If you do a lunge, you're naturally going to start to feel a stretch in that back hip flexor, which is an area where a lot of people have some severe tightness. So now not only are we creating a strengthening pattern, but we are also helping improve overall mobility and flexibility for people performing these exercises. Um, so like I said, I hate doing these, but they go, they go a long way in just helping make you overall a healthier person. And Dave, how many people come to us and complain of tight hips? <laughs> Again, if I had 29 cents for every time <laughs> someone came to me to complain about tight hips, I, uh, I could probably retire. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, yeah, I sort of pride myself on not only helping people get stronger, but get better hips for the dance floor. I like to say I'm the best dancing trainer in the whole facility. So if you want to see somebody bust out some good moves, you got to drop in. I mean, it's debatable about who's the best dancer. Uh, I'm by no means throwing my hat in the ring. I kind of move like a robot when it comes to dancing. Um, (laughs) I literally have two left feet. 
Um, but I don't know if I could say Corey's the best answer. He might be the most enthusiastic, though. So you can kind of take or leave that as Energy well. gets you a long way, and that's the key <laughs> that you got to take away. It's about energy and enthusiasm. Let me give you a couple examples, though, of single leg strengthening exercises. You've got lunges, you have split squats, you have side lunges, um, step ups. So, again, these are functional movements that you would probably do in everyday life. You think about walking up the stairs, down, down the stairs, um, going on a hike, things like that. And from um, an athletic perspective, you know, athletes find themselves all the time using or cutting off of one leg. So, it's important to be able to strengthen yourself in those positions. Definitely. Um, and so I think, too, to Corey's point, when you're walking, you're not walking with both feet on the ground, hopping around or like you're in like a rucksack or anything. You're walking from one leg at a time. Um, and so, again, this helps provide that balance. It helps to provide that strength that fits with, you know, everyday life and creates, you know, for lack of a better term, that functional movement that we all so desperately need to live life. Absolutely. So those three patterns, the single leg exercises, the hinge and the squat really round out the outline for your lower body strength training. And that's how we want you to think about your specific program and training plan. When you know that you need to include these three types of patterns, it helps to provide, I would say like a compass as to where your training should be going and what should be included. As long as you know uh, somewhere throughout your training cycle, okay, I need to be including squat patterns. I need to be including different type of um, deadlifting, hinging, um, bridging patterns, different type of step up and lunging patterns. You're going to have a well-rounded lower body strength program. Yeah. uh, To kind of go off that, I like to look at these as like a menu, right? These give you the entree. And from there, you can kind of pick the dish that fits with what you want to do. Um, within that given entree. Um, the other thing too is from a programming standpoint, just typically considering uh, any type of imbalance or asymmetry, I kind of what Corey was alluding to with single leg exercises, I try to look at, you know, for every double leg exercise I have, for every hinge or squat, I try to incorporate two single leg exercises into the program. So, you know, for every hinge, there's two lunges or vice versa. And that I'm just kind of throwing out names out there, but the idea is just two to one double leg to single leg ratio is going to go a long way in creating a really well-balanced program that's going to really help you with your goals. Okay, so that's a wrap on lower body strength exercises. Stay tuned. We're going to be back next episode to talk about what exercises to include in your upper body regimen. And also we're going to talk about how to think about your core and other ancillary and corrective exercises that really make a well-rounded training program and weightlifting program. So until then, uh, we want to keep you posted on the things that we have going on. As I mentioned Don't forget, we've got a 14-day kickstart for adults coming up in November, which includes four personal training sessions for $89 in unlimited group training. And then athletes, don't forget to get registered for our Winter Athlete Academy. Just shoot us a note at hpi at ibji.com to get all the details. And until 